0: Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Demi, and I'm here again with Suleyman Lassisi. Suleyman, today we will be talking about a ton of things I'm very excited for. One of them is uh, the final review of the 2019-2020 Premier League uh, campaign just ended today on Sunday. Juve, unsurprisingly, winning the Serie A. And uh, we're going to talk uh, about the race for the Top scorer between Immobile and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo later on in the show, Um, and Milan made a very wise decision to uh, keep uh, Pioli. So we're going to discuss that, and we're going to talk about how they have decided to go on with Pioli instead of going with Rangnick. And finally, the breaking news I think of last week was Mbappe's injury. Um, We still don't know how long he's going to be out. I think we're going to find out tonight or, or tomorrow morning. Um, but this is a very good news for Atalanta. But all this will be discussed as we move on through the podcast. But before I go on to Lamon, how was your day and how did you spend your day giving that? Today is called the Championship Sunday. How how did you feel?
1: Very excited. You know what I did was I didn't want to watch any other games because I was interested in a couple of teams and how they would perform, but I didn't feel like I had the adrenaline to keep up with it. So the first half I went on a run and then the second half, I just got on a phone call and talked to a friend. Everything but soccer was all talked about. So I came back after everything was done and oh my, was I surprised?
0: Yeah, it was a very surprising uh, result. I actually thought there was going to be an upset today with Wolves beating Chelsea, but that did not happen. Um, So Chelsea beat Wolves and I was, I I thought Manchester City uh, paid back the loss uh, earlier this season to Norwich. Uh, but yeah, I think this is all we're going to be talking about in this section. And I'm very excited to hear what you have. Definitely. And I want to say
1: congrats to all the fantasy premier league winners, which I know you're one of them. Congratulations on a very long season and for, for coming out on top of your respective leagues. So what really excited me going into this championship Sunday was two things. The champions League's sports, they were up for grabs and the drama that comes with it and to think about the relegation reality of some teams as well. But let's start with the Champions League sports. Now we know that Leicester City is going to settle for Europa League next season. Although, Jamie Vardy actually did win the Golden Boot, so that's a that's a plus. United are in the Champions League. I feel like this is a really huge achievement for this team, especially with the boost that Bruno has brought, brought to the team. And Chelsea are also in, which I think is remarkable, given that this is Lampard's. First full season as a Chelsea coach, so I want to hear your thoughts on the final positions of these three teams that were vying for top Champions League spots.
0: Yeah, I think you've got to say that Manchester United and Chelsea being the top four this season at the end of this season is the surprise of the season personally. Um, just because you had people say things like, you know, Chelsea is is not are not going to do well, including me, because they don't have the players. They've lost they lost Hazard um and they they had a new coach um so it, it was just all these things that pointed to chelsea not winning or not getting to the top four um however though I, I wouldn't say i was far off i mean if you really think about it it took until the last day to decide that so i wouldn't say i was really far off uh but really i mean it's all thanks to arsenal tottenham and leicester city not really playing uh good good games this season uh, because i think chelsea should have you know, comfortably being on the third position, but they they screwed it up and, and but but they got lucky at the end and, and they were able to finish it up, which is good. The other surprise is Manchester United. Uh, this is one team I thought would not even be anywhere close to even the Europa League spot. Um, but Surprisingly, uh, they they were they actually became third instead of of fourth, which is which is the the surprise, uh, which is more of a surprise for me. Um, I gotta say, I have I have to hand it over to to Sosia. To you know, like he he did a tremendous job rallying the the players, making sure that they are playing together. Because if you really think about it, the problem initially was you know Kogba had a problem with the with you know the management and and the coaching staff previously, and it seemed like his uh, aura kind of. Uh, passed on to other players and that kind of brought down the dressing room. But but Ole c- came in, you know, br- br- tried to make everyone happy again. Uh, he brought in uh, Bruno Fernandes, um, who who came in and, and just filled in the role quickly and, and was able to be responsible for a ton of goals that, that United scored and important goals that they scored this season. Uh, the other controversy is they had a lot of penalties, which uh, is something that, like, kind of, you know, it, it's whatever, you know. They have people have... People have their way of thinking about things, but I thought you know they were given so many penalties that weren't, shouldn't have been penalties, and also the penalties against them weren't given. So uh, you, you know I, I can't really put it down that way because I don't want people to think I'm I'm a I'm a hater. But but kudos to them for for being able to finish top four, and and uh, it's sad to see that a team like Leicester City would not be in the in the uh, Champions League, even though they were in the third position for a long time. But I'm happy to play them in the. Uh, Europa League uh, next next season when Milan hopefully will face them.
1: Interesting. I like that summary and I definitely wish Leicester City well. I was hoping for an upset in the fact that they would make the top four, but maybe next season. So the relegation reality. Bournemouth won today at Goodison Park, 3-1, but that was not enough for them to stay up. It was a goal fest at the Emirates, finished 3-2, Arsenal won, but Watford goes down, Villa defied the odds and they stayed up. I personally, post COVID resumption, said the one team that I was sure was gonna go down other than Norwich was Villa. And this was because of the the schedule that they had. They had to play a lot of difficult games, top opponents, but they actually pulled it up. I wanna hear your thoughts on what you think this relegation or survival means to these teams.
0: Yeah I mean this is the breaking this is the part that really is breaking for you know it's heartbreaking for uh, you know on the championship day uh, and it's it's really sad to see teams and you, you you know I couldn't even watch those games because I didn't want to see people cry but I am sure you know maybe some of them cried I, I don't know if you know about that but um it, it's sad to see the scenes when when people realize that they are going to be you know they're going to be relegated um, I, I'm a little surprised that Watford um, actually, you know, went down. Um, I understand they were playing Arsenal today, and, and it was obviously a tough, tough uh, schedule for them. Uh, but I, overall, I thought they were a great team. I, th- I thought they played really well. They had Sar uh, forward with obviously one of my favorite players, Torino, uh, who for some reason gets a lot of hate from a lot of players. But um, uh, it, it's sad to see that that you know Troydenia and 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 Sare and Jakure for example too uh, are going to have to play in the championship if they don't leave Watford. So um I yeah it, it's really sad to see, but it's also I guess what you would say a kind of kind of like a fun uh, uh you know entertaining uh, moment for for at least EPL fans to see the relegation battle go down to the wire. Um, I I guess we already knew that Norwich were were already going to be relegated, Uh, but the fact that we didn't know who the other two were, I think was a a good, I would say, entertaining for, for certain people that are not fans of these clubs.
1: Definitely, and I agree. I'm going to touch a little bit on those two teams in a later segment right around the corner. So let's move on and talk about the standout teams, the teams that you think, personally for you, really took this campaign by the arms and showed the Premier League what they could achieve?
0: Well, if you say a standout team, I mean, if you really think about it, like, I guess, I guess you could say Sheffield is a standout team. Yes, because, uh, because, I mean, at one point they were sixth and they were, they seemed to be there for, 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 for a long time. Um, But um, I, would, I would personally say a standard team was United. I mean, after the COVID-19, they, they really, like, this is a team that you, you didn't expect any, anything from. And I think for that reason, they stood out at least after, like, Bruno Fernandes uh, Fernandez came, came into the uh, team. Um, um, so, so I would say that, that is a standout team for me personally. Uh, but uh, um, uh, Sheffield, I mean, tremendous game. I mean, this was their first season. Well, they came from, from the championship and they were able to, you know, to vie with it with the top six, and, and it was tr- really tremendous job that that they were able to do. Um, and the, the, you know, I like their formation always. They always play with the wing backs. Reminds me of the way Atalanta plays in Italy, and it, it's just, I think they play play beautiful football, a football that kind of pins a lot of of opponents down, and also they're very good defensively. I don't know actually what their defensive record is, but I, I think they probably have one of the goals against, they have one of the least goals against, probably, I think, I'm willing to bet in the campaign. Yeah, I think they're,
1: they're fourth, they're fourth, number four, when you consider the goals conceded, and they actually have a zero goal difference this season, which I think is very interesting. So they scored just about as much as they conceded, and that shows you that their the defense was very key in, in their position this season. So I actually, you're right, Manchester United, phenomenal after the resumption post-COVID. But I wanna talk about a few teams that Wolves, it's one thing to do it the first time you come up, which is exactly what Sheffield just did. But Wolves even did better than they did last season. They, they had 59 points, which is higher than they had last season. And for me, if last season was a fluke, if there are camps and people who think last season was a fluke, the style didn't change this season and they did even better in terms of points. Now they have to wait and see how the FA Cup ends this week, next weekend, for them to see if they're going to go to Europe. But I enjoyed watching Wolves, and it was always an exciting, nail-biting affair when you see this team because they actually had the highest points when they were in a losing position in the entire Premier League. So definitely a standout team. My second standout team is Southampton. And this is interesting because news flash Southampton once lost 9 0 to Leicester City this season. And this team, from then on, they rallied around and they became a very strong defensive force. Not only did they withstand very big teams, they went on in giving Danny Ames one of his most prolific, his most prolific season, really. Combining that and thinking about how how far they've come. Basically, I think for me, and Huttall and what he has done at Southampton and the whole squad, really, I consider them the standout team of this season. But there are many cases to be made for other teams. But just from my perspective of once losing 9-0 to now having one of the best defense post-COVID, I think they've really come a long way. So I I want to hear your thoughts too. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yes, and you got to give it to Danny Ings. I mean, Danny Ings, you know, he, probably not seen as one of a, a great striker, I guess, uh, but he really—I mean—he scored so many crucial goals for Southampton because I, I, I really noticed that, and and of, obviously he also scored penalties. But it, you know, like he, he did such a very good job uh, for Southampton. I think he was also key for for keeping Southampton alive and 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 keep making sure that they they win games or or at least tie games that they can.
1: Definitely, and on the flip side, let's talk about the most disappointing teams. And this was what I said I was gonna to get to very shortly. Who do you have as the most disappointing or underwhelming team of this campaign?
0: Wow, that's a very uh, that's a very good question. I mean, I think I have alluded to it earlier. I'm a little surprised at Watford. You know, I, I think at one point in the season, they, they seem to be playing very well. Um, and, and then they went back down. Um, it's really like, I, I think for me, Whiteford is the, is the one team that, that I think uh, disappointed me. Another team that I think I would choose is also um, uh, Everton. I think Everton, uh, given the amount of players they had, given the um, the, that, the caliber of players that they had, and also given Ancelotti, um, uh, you know, totally disappointed. I thought they were going to go for at least the Europa League spot. But as you can see, they're currently th- uh, 12th. Um, so I think that's another surprising team, and and I guess finally I, I will give it to Arsenal. I I, say, I guess uh, just given like their their forward line, it's so lethal that you will think that this team at least okay, sure the defense is not so great, but you know you expect them to score or at least score games at like four three or five four. You know you know score outscore the opponent, but that did not happen given the the caliber and I've hyped. Pepe so, so many times, but it seemed like his confidence is just on the low uh, uh, this season. Um, and then you have Yang, Lacazette, um, you know, these, these players that you think that they would really finish off games uh, just didn't show up uh, in a lot of times. Um, and so, yes, I, I, I think Watford, Arsenal and uh, Everton are my,
1: my three uh, disappointing teams. Interesting. So we have an intersection because I also had Whiteford and a few reasons also because, in addition to the points that you had, they were FA Cup finalists last season. Albeit they lost 6 0 to Manchester City in that final, but they still made it to the final of the FA Cup. And that is no mean achievement. They also beat Liverpool this season. So, in terms of potential on their best day, they're a really good team. But I feel like managerial choices and just the instability when it comes to the management of this club i think is what led them down also i want to talk about Bournemouth. this their relegation felt to me like a slippery slope i always felt like no they'll get it together it's just a rough patch they'll get it together but they're relegated and they had king and wilson who at some point last season were linked to manchester united and chelsea respectively and now they're gonna be playing the championship or they're gonna have to be bought out of those clubs, which means more doom might be looming for burnout. But those are my those are my two picks for most disappointing teams. And with that, Bori, I want to pass this on to you to hear what's going on on the Syria front.
0: Yes, and Syria is uh, is, is virtually over. I mean, there are two games left, uh, two two rounds of, of games to be played. Um, but uh, just a few minutes ago, before we started recording. Juve uh, sealed uh, the their ninth Serie Scudetto, um, and uh, according to ESPN, it's the highest uh, streak uh, in Europe, at least for the Europe top top five uh, top five league. Obviously, like I, I'm sure you know this, I was a very huge I I'm, I was a huge fan of somebody else winning this year because I was tired and, and sick and tired of Juve winning every year, but uh, obviously that didn't happen thanks to uh, you know Lazio. Uh, who decided to not continue their fine streak uh, before the coronavirus break? Uh, but congratulations to to Juventus. Um, I, I do want to talk to you about this uh, before before we move on from Juventus and and just from just seeing their game. Um, and I, I started to re- realize, and I think I may have mentioned this um, earlier uh, in, in a previous in a previous uh, episode. Um, Juve seems like a team that is getting older. Uh, I mean, like they've done well by. By signing Artur uh, in the midfield and, and swapping Pjanic out, um, who, by the way, is not that old, but you know you, we see him as old because he's been on the spotlight for a long time. Uh, but you look at the back line, look like you look, I mean, you look at the the midfield uh, and also the forwards. I mean, really, the the only really young people there in the forward are Beneditski and, and Dybala. and but the other folks are are, are Ronaldo and and Higuain. Um, and well, Douglas Costa is is still kind of young, but these are like when you talk about DiBala, Bernadeschi, and Douglas Costa, um, these are players that are not like I mean, apart from DiBala, DiBala is is okay, but he has his ups and downs. But uh, the other two, you don't, they're not really, they don't, they don't turn up every game, uh, unlike unlike Ronaldo, for example, or or maybe sometimes Higuain. Um, so. This is all good and that, and nice for them for for Juventus to win the ninth uh, Scudetto, but I worry for them because of the aging players. And I, and I guess given the fact that we don't have a very long transfer time this time around because of COVID nineteen, um, is do you think this is a, a kind of a cause for alarm uh, for for Juventus? And and do you think by the way, I mean. They've, they have a lot of injuries now. Dybala is, is injured. We don't know how long he's out. And they have to play Leon in about two weeks. Um, just I just want to get your thoughts on what you think uh, is going to be a problem for Juve facing Leon and also Juve next season.
1: I want to first talk about just Juve facing Leon. I think they still have the scored. And I don't think they have any problem, especially given the fact that they have been playing week in, week out compared to Leon, who the season has effectively ended for a while now. So I don't see them being. I mean, I know that I mean, it's it's a contest, and I think Leon has a, a really good chance going into the game. But I feel like with Juve playing games in the past, in the recent past, I think they're in good shape to play Leon. That being said, looking forward, I actually don't really care like if they get their transfer business done right or not, because I just looked up the what i consider the hallmark of dominance and that was like the real madrid 1950s team and they didn't even win nine domestic trophies in a row so jubilee have already dominated like i i for one i hope they get their transfer wrong so they can not win next season that's that's what i'm hoping for. Me
0: as well. Trust me, I, I I would love to see it, and I actually have a bold prediction that I will leave till the end of this uh, section of Syria, and you'll be surprised who I'm going to choose to win the scudetto next season. But that's you know a very informal formality that I'm going to do. Um, but before we move on from Juve, um, there, even though yes, the scudetto is over now, um, the race for the highest goal scorer is on, which means that. Uh, it's between currently Ronaldo and Immobile. M- Immobile currently has 34 penalties. Actually scored a hat trick uh, today, um, and um, Juve and Ronaldo has 31 goals with two games left. And looking at Juve's opponents, they're not like they have uh, Cagliari to play next. Um, who do you think will clinch these, uh, this this uh, very prestigious title?
1: You cannot have it all. And this is me talking to Cristiano Ronaldo. He just won another Serie A title has broken a lot of records in the Serie A. So I think this one should go to Chiro Immobile. I mean, he has three goals on him. And I I think the decision to want to play Ronaldo in the last two games with nothing to play for might come back to haunt them against Lyon. So I would probably be cautious and rest Ronaldo. And that means Immobile will have it.
0: That's very correct. And and the other thing is um known Juve players uh, and no offense to Juve players and Juve fans, but usually they're not known to be like the ones that want to go for the winners uh, for, for the win or for the for the kill, I would say actually, for the kill. Um, because they've won the scudetto. What is the incentive for them to burst their lungs just so that Ronaldo can can win the the top goal score? Uh, I would be really surprised if uh, Sorry, decides to play his top t- uh, top players, uh, given that they have to play Lyon in the Champions League uh, in, in two weeks, and, and let's not forget Lyon is is one goal up um, because they Lyon won at at France one zero uh, back in February. So I I think you know they have to take this serious if they want uh, this other trophy. Uh, I mean, winning the Scudetto is nice, but they've won it for for nine years straight now, so it just feels like a, a normal thing to win. So I'm sure they're really eyeing the the Champions League uh but I, I share the same sentiment I think given that and also given the fact that uh Lazio uh, uh probably wants to have Immobile win this they they will probably uh help him out and try to make sure that he wins the uh highest goal scorer um let's move on to uh my favorite team AC Milan and, and your favorite team um they played Atalanta which was the game that really gave um Juve the the win, because if Atalanta had won that game, then they wouldn't have won the Scudetto right now. But Milan tied Atalanta, and this is an Atalanta side that beat Milan back uh, last year in in December 5-0. That was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen Milan play. Um, uh, And I I don't know how you feel. I mean, given, given Milan tying a team like this, do you think this is Milan just playing very well, or do you think Atalanta is is kind of stepping back a little bit, maybe
1: thinking about the Champions League? Yeah, I don't believe I'm going to have to say this ever, but I'm saying the fact that we tie Atalanta makes me feel like we are actually on an upward trajectory. So we, I mean, we've taken points from Inter, um, we've taken points from Juventus, we've taken points from Napoli, we've taken points from Lazio. So we've been consistent post-COVID. So tight Atalanta just shows that not only are we consistent against this old guard, we can also play against this new, resurgent, vibrant Atalanta team. So I am impressed by Atalanta being a really good team, but more impressed by the fact that Milan got a point against Atalanta.
0: Yes, yeah, sounds good. And I, the only thing I'm hoping here is this... Momentum keeps going on because, and this is where my bold prediction comes in. Um, I mean, there. First of all, the rumors that that Ibrahimovic is going to extend his contract with Milan. They're still negotiating what the price will be. Uh, but I think, I think Ibra is a, a, a huge key and success to this team. Um, and we found out this week that Pioli has also extended his contract. Uh, all thanks to his 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 his. Phenomenal performance on this team, Um, and that means that Ragnik is not going to be working at Milan uh, uh, anytime soon. Um, But my bold prediction is, I think, I mean, again, anything can happen. And given the fact that I think Juventus are not going to be solid next season, I think actually Milan is going to win the Scudetto. And uh, again, this is unofficial. Um, I, I obviously, once the transfer market is done and I see and analyze all the players that have gone to whatever teams in Syria, then I'll come back and tell you if I'm changing or I'm staying with my prediction. But that is my prediction. And I don't know if you want to ridicule me now.
1: Now, I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon with you, but you have my blessings you can you can predict Milan to win it, and I will be very happy if it actually does happen. But I mean, it just it just doesn't seem possible from where I'm sitting. But you might be seeing or hearing or talking to people that I don't have the ability to talk to, so definitely I would love that to happen.
0: Yes, yes, I, I'm definitely talking to people in my dream, I think that's what it is. Um, for, for those that, that don't watch Syria, ah, you know, obviously, this is the only top five league that is on right now. Um, there's, one, there's one race to watch, and, and the race is the, the spot for Europa League. Um, it's between three teams. Napoli already qualified for the Europa League, but Milan and Roma are vying for the fifth spot to make sure that, like, they don't have to play the qualifiers, um, which, which is the other, quote-unquote, race. In the Syria Syria are right now, uh, but uh, Suleiman, do you, what do you think is going to, c- currently? Roma Roma is four points ahead of Milan, but Roma has a very tough schedule uh, ahead in the next two games, and uh, Milan have uh, I would say a relatively uh, f- uh, uh, easy schedule. Um, so I, I personally think Milan will probably get the six points out of those two games, and Roma may slip. Uh, but, but
1: what is your prediction for for who's going to finish fifth? I think it would be nice for Milan to finish fifth but I mean the table as it stands today I cannot disregard the fact that Roma is four points ahead and I I would be impressed again by Milan managing fashioning a way to finish fifth despite the fact that they have a four point disadvantage with two games to go so I want Milan to finish but in reality it looks more like Roma
0: Yes, that's correct. It's very, it's a very steep uh, slope for Milan to climb. But let's move on to uh, another league that will be coming back in two weeks, and that's the Champions League. Really, we just want to talk about one game here, and that's the PSG Atalanta game. Um, uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, in the beginning of the episode, that Mbappe is likely out. Um, uh, We'll find out this information tomorrow um, as the scans and, and, and the medical people come out with their um, analysis. Uh, but surprisingly, I mean, I didn't even realize this until I, I was watching uh, the news last night. I, re- I didn't realize that Di Maria was going to be suspended and uh, Cavani and Munir did not extend their contract, which means that the PSG squad is looking a little thin right now. Um, and this is a chance, I think. A, like I said, it's a good news for, I think, for At- Atalanta. Um, hopefully, they don't let this get to their head. But I think the chance, I, you know, I kind of give this a 50-50 from the, from the last episode. Um, but given this news that I've heard and I, I'm, from what I'm seeing and understanding, and especially if Mbappe is out, I think I'm, I'm leaning Atalanta 60% and, and PSG 40%.
1: What is your take on this game? very I, I keep saying the fact that I'm a neutral and I don't really care what the outcome of that game is, I would say from the perspective of Atalanta being like a, a team on a lower budget, I wanted them to win. But the fact that Mbappe is out makes this tie not balanced because I would have loved to see this team feature the best squad and still be able to just challenge atalanta and see how that happens but i want to i want to just take a quick break and talk about that game against Etienne and how there were nine yellow cards and one red card which was for the tackle on mbappe and i just feel like to me it feels like this game had the sign of disaster reading all over it and i feel bad for mbappe i love watching him, and the fact that he will not be a part of this most likely not going to be a part of this tie against Atalanta just makes me cringe because he's a really good player and I just enjoy watching good players in their best condition play. And I just hope that this is no more than maybe a couple weeks, a month, and he's back to 100% because what I saw, it really, really scared me.
0: Yes, we don't. Yes, we don't know the final thing, but it did look really scary. And it's one of the most, I think one of the most painful uh, soccer injuries that you could have. So we we wish him well and hope that he's back um, as soon as he can.
1: And on that note, we have come to my favorite segment of this episode. And I'm sure that Bori, you have a random fact waiting for our fans and for myself. So go forth.
0: Yes, this is regarding a player from Tottenham, uh, Harry Kane. Um, he obviously is a tremendous uh, striker um, and a very uh, prolific go- goal scorer. Um, he scored hundred. He scored over one hundred and fifty goals without winning a trophy, and that is mind-boggling to me. It's crazy how a player can be that good, score a goal for his his club, and not win a trophy. That to me is like mind-boggling for me
1: that is interesting prolific ghost car like you said and at that point you you just have to start asking yourself is it time to change camps are there trophy winning teams out there or are you going to believe in this coach who is a proven trophy winner and stay and see what the future holds i think it is actually a pivotal moment in his career this is at the point where he either has to leave to go win something like someone like gareth bale did Or this is the moment where he commits his entire career, like someone like Jamie Vardy did after they won the fifteen sixteen season Premier League season. So it's going to be interesting what he does and what Tottenham does as well with him.
0: Yes, I think it's time for for Hurricane to leave. Honestly, if he wants to win trophies, uh, I'm sure there are many teams that could use him. Uh, uh, You think about teams like Barcelona or, or even Inter Milan. So so yeah, like. Like, sad to see, but, but again, such a great player. This is one player that the stats doesn't really, at least the trophy stats doesn't really do justice to how good he is. Um, so, but we wish him well. We hope he, he wins trophies in the future.
1: Definitely. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you again for listening. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at fourth official sp and also on Gmail at Official soccer podcast at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure bringing you live, and, and it's been a pleasure bringing you the details of the exciting soccer events in these past few days, and we hope to see you again next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye.